reaching across the country for the biggest sports news this weekend. From Atlanta to Seattle, from Boston to LA, this is Big Sports Radio. Big Sports Radio final day, final weekend of September as Sunday, as you know, 1st of October. And here we go. Hope you got your pumpkins out. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Hegley. Uh, we've got lots to talk about. Guys, we have got one of the coolest guests in the long, long history, which goes, what, maybe 60 episodes or so of this show. Uh, Jerome Bettis, the bus is in the house. That's coming up a bit later. Uh, also, we'll hear from um, in the second hour, uh, for those who are hanging around for hour number two, Tom Cakert of uh, uh, HawkeyeReport.com talking about uh, Iowa and uh, Penn State. But guys, first off, we'll start with this scandal du jour. Um, we're back to Michigan State now. And uh, Mel Tucker, uh, it's official. He is out as Michigan State coach. Um, the AD just said, yeah, what you've already admitted to, that alone is uh, is enough to fire you for cause. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that this was the the where this was going to end up, right? I mean, we pretty much know this now, you know. And, and Michigan State's going to save a ton of money and uh, off of this Mel Tucker deal, and Mel Tucker's going to lose a ton of money. Hope it was worth it, buddy. Yeah, and you read from different uh, people who are lawyers that it's going to be a tough case for Mel Tucker in court. I would assume that he's shooting for a number. Uh, a lot less than 80 million to be returned to him and every dollar counts. So maybe he'll just go ahead and file just because. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you almost have to right? go through the motions at least. I mean, your, yeah. attorney, gonna, your attorney is going to get a third. So yeah. right away, you know, he or she or they are saying, yeah, do this. Absolutely. But, you know, he, he did have seven days to, um, you know, write back after he received notice they were going to terminate him for cause. His attorneys on Monday turned in uh, the seventh day, turned in a 25 page affidavit um, explaining all why all the reasons this wasn't fair, that you didn't hear his point of it. And uh, after a couple of days on Wednesday, the athletic director, Alan Howard, just came back and said, yeah, again, you know, forget about whatever's out there what you've already admitted to. And he's admitted to quite a bit. That's where we, as Brad said, we were kind of shocked that he admitted that anyway. Um, and I, you know, Dan Wolken of USA today was the one who broke this story and really was all over it. Um, and, and it was interesting. He had a great, uh, a really good article Wednesday afternoon uh, in the evening. If you get a chance, go back and look at it. And he talked about, it, he said, you know, where did Mel Tucker think this was, was heading? I mean, even the, even his, his accuser, the woman who filed the title nine complaint, Brenda Tracy, uh, you know, her history, she's a rape survivor. She goes around to college campuses, lectures and works with uh, young people in terms of sexual harassment and that kind of thing. Um, even she made a statement saying that, you know, she felt that he got close to her or he, you know, signed on to her cause um, because he was um, he was interested in getting close to her. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, I, yeah, I don't know what he thought was going to happen here. I mean, I really don't. I mean, I what did you what was your what was your end goal here? Like, How you know, you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's like Joey Tribbiani. Joey Tribbiani. Yeah. Like, How you doing? Uh, maybe just maybe he just thought he was checking the inseam, you know? Isn't that how you do it? <laughs> In prison. <laughs> oh, oh my. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, 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 yes. It, it, this is just one of those things where th there's just things that if you 
have to explain them to your mom or you have to read them in the newspaper and you can't bear to think of either situation, you shouldn't do it. And this is one of those situations where you're going to have to explain as a married man what your plan was. That would have been a real early point to say, you know, I probably shouldn't do this. Well, that's the the thing for me. And and guys, listen, if I ever tell you a story that I was on a phone and did what I'm not going to say here on the air, but did what he's admitted to doing on a phone, I want you to take me, square me up and slap me. <laughs> Dude, you lost $80 million. That was expensive. That's it was an expensive phone call. Yeah. It was really long distance, huh? It was long distance. <laughs> and um, you were all by yourself when you lost it. You Let's definitely got taken deep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh Michigan State, uh, that's you know out of the way for now in terms of he's officially fired. Um, they have their own problems, though. I mean, they have looked uh, terrible these last two games against arguably their first their, their best two opponents. Um, at home against Washington and home against Maryland. Uh, their defense um can't stop anything. And um now they get an Iowa team that says its own problems. So you go from there. They get that cleaned up. Although again, we know there's some litigation that coming down, hey, the, that, down the their, road. Their defense can't stop anything, but I bet they can stop Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Michigan State is like playing Russian roulette because they've got they've got one bullet in the chamber. They've got one good game. And there's one team in the Big Ten who's going to go, yeah, how'd you get beat by them? Well, they were good that week. <laughs> and I, you don't want to be that team. You know what I yeah. mean? I mean, I mean, Illinois is like, oh, look, you know, we, we had that happen to us last year. And I was like, we don't want this to happen to us. The, you know, we don't want to have that happen to us. Yeah. But you watch. They will have one game this year where that team has some talent on it from, from yeah. the standpoint of recruits. And they will they will go out one game this year and play well, and then the rest of the Big Ten will be like, "How'd that happen to you?" Yeah, we look at it last year that Michigan State that one good game in Champaign cost Illinois the West exactly, Division, and it could do the yeah. same uh, this weekend in Iowa City uh, night game uh, out there seven thirty Eastern. The game on NBC. A um, couple of teams that are off this week: Ohio State and Wisconsin. Listen, the Buckeyes. Um, I know you're not supposed to talk about a team that's off or whatever, but listen, they still get the win of the week. Um, there have been some really fun, thrilling games in September, right? To start the season. Um, I credit some of these big schools playing other big schools. Ohio State and Notre Dame, the return game from last year's game in Columbus. What a thriller. Not a lot of scoring. Um, but boy, what a what a win for Ohio State and a coming of age for their young quarterback, Ryan McCord. Yeah, what a yeah, he was fantastic down that, you know, down the stretch, just made the right plays. And, you know, I I I really feel like it, Going into that environment, I mean, that was a crazy environment. I mean, that was very difficult to win, and we've seen teams go on the road, and, and there's been a couple this year of really massive road wins. Texas and Alabama obviously be one, and then Ohio State and Notre Dame, and it puts the Buckeyes firmly in that national championship contender. And if you're Notre Dame, how do you explain how you call timeout and for two <laughs> plays you can't count to 11? And, and and so you you end up with 10 players on the field. You lose a game that arguably, if they win this game, you know, that that certainly opens up a doorway or a path to the national or to the CFP. And and you, you know, again, I'm not saying they would have stopped Ohio State, but I like my odds with eleven players on my defense a lot better than I do with 10. 
And <laughs> Ohio State didn't notice the first time. Exactly. And so, you know, I don't know. It's that's a that's one thing. I don't know that I've ever seen that before. I mean, for two plays in a row yeah. after a timeout where you didn't have enough players on the field. I mean, they have guys in the booth, right? I mean, so you see the first play, it's like, hey, we only had 10. Run a guy in there. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I don't know. It so, kind of reminds me of the start of history of the world when Mel Brooks <laughs> has the 15. He goes, I have these 15. And then he drops the, the tablet and it breaks. 10. 10, ten commandments. commandments. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Love 80s movie reference. We can get it in. So, uh, yeah, uh, Notre mm. Dame, they may come up in December and wish they had that one back. Uh, just that one play. Um, and they ran right to where number 11 was not. So uh, kudos to the Buckeyes for seeing this. Hey, after the game, uh, Ryan Day, usually kind of stoic, you know, Ryan, he conserved and, you know, it just kind of does this thing. Uh, showing a little emotion on NBC. In case you missed it, here it is. You know, like I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team, what he said about our team, I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio, and it's always been Ohio against the world, and it'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what, I love those kids, and we got a tough team. What did they prove to you tonight in this victory that you'll take away and run with? Toughness. Everybody's questioning these kids all the time. We had one bad half the last couple years. That's it. Everybody wants to question these guys. These guys are warriors right here to come back and win. This kid right here to come back in the second half and win. I'm emotional about this for a reason. A lot of people question these kids and say a lot of things about them. I love them. When someone attacks your family to come in and win like this is special. It's a great win for our program and a great win for Ohio State. Channeling his inner Mike Gundy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, uh, I don't know. No, uh, Lou, Lou Methuselah Holtz is probably not the guy you need to go after in this. I mean, uh, and Holtz doubled down, obviously, we, we're going as we saw. But I think Day, it was trying, it was fun. I think he did that. It was all that was like a planned thing if they won the game. I mean, I think he was planning on doing that because, you know, and maybe it motivates the team. Maybe it was just, I think he does it for fun. It was just need to show a different side and be that kind of put on that tough guy. Cause they, here's the thing. And I'm not trying to be mean here, but that's been the knock is that there's a little soft at the point of contact, not tough and not physical. And, and, not, and that's why they lost to Michigan and so forth. And so Dave's trying to challenge that a little bit. Yeah. I got, I got to be honest. I am so tired of the us against the world crap. You know, yeah, you're Ohio State. It's us against the world. Yeah, you know, you've had five losing seasons since 1951. Show <laughs> us how you overcome. It's a little bit like Dion with his, oh, you know, the world's against us. I get so tired of that type of motivation. And we see it all over society, even outside of sports. Hey, the fact of the matter is, is that Michigan has whooped you guys two years in a row and their their offense and defensive line have smashed yours in the face at the start of the game and your guys have backed up and they haven't done what they need to do until Ohio State beats Michigan, and they very well might, but until they do that, Ryan Day can whine and cry as much as he wants you you earned the reputation and now you got to go out and unearn it and yelling at an 86 year old guy who used to tell us whenever Notre Dame played Navy that Notre Dame was probably going to get beat. I, I mean, you know, if you're going to, I just don't think that's going to take away the knock uh, 
you're going to have to wipe it off the face of the Michigan lines. And they haven't been able to the last couple of years. End, no, of, I, end of rant. It's me haven't. against the world. It's me against yeah. the world. Mike against the rest of us. All of a sudden, he's he's Tupac. It's just me <laughs> against the world. Um, yeah, it's uh, no, I agree. And, and Lou came back later and actually said, look, Ohio State's a good football team. I don't think they're great. I mean, he came out and said that. And by the way, you're exactly right that we didn't play it in that clip. But Ryan Day was heard on an open mic right before he did the NBC postgame interview. He said, hey, watch this. So, yeah, there's a little bit of showmanship uh, in that. But you know what? Look, you've got a national TV audience. Why not? Makes for good drama. And guess what? It's their off weekend. We're still talking about it, right? It's so, hard, hard for me to talk about the under the the underprivileged Ohio State Buckeyes, though. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, at least when, you know, you mentioned Dion. At least Dion's taken over a program that is god-awful. Like, I mean, you know, like, they're only relevant because he's coaching, right? But, but, I mean, so, but Ryan Day's like, I mean, I don't know. I don't get Let's it, go one man. step further, though. Like if if if, if Indiana coach is going to do that, I'm going to listen because they've been horrible my mm-hmm. whole life. You know that yep. they know what it, they know what it's like to be the bottom. Northwestern used to be that way, and then and then they've had a series of coaches, and they're no longer in that category. But you know, I, to hear it from Ohio State, it's like yawn. It's almost I, like it's almost as be like Nick Saban. Yeah, you yeah know, exactly. It's, exactly. It's tough being Alabama. <laughs> it's really tough. <laughs> well, the other thing, too. Five all of our five-star recruits. Sorry. Yeah. Since when did the Buckeyes come from Ohio? That was the other thing I thought. I was like, wait wait a minute. You're, like, you're a national program. I mean, yeah. you listen, you do well in the Buckeye State. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you get kids from all over. I mean, yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. It's me against the world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, it, it's, such a, it's such an old and weak argument. You know, except for a few schools, Indiana can pull it out and people go, OK, yep, everybody is against you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. In ba- well, it's not in basketball, football, yeah. folks, football. There you go. Don't send there me an go. email. That's right. Don't nobody it. believed us. We were only ranked fourth in the country. Well, nobody do you remember do you remember when when some of the Patriots were doing that after like their fourth or fifth Super Bowl? It's like nobody believed in us. It's like we all believed in you. You were the, you were the favorite. Shut up. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'll sit off this week. It did get them up to only number four. So, uh, you know, what are you going to do there? Um, all right. Hey, stay with us here. Uh, up next, we're talking about the uh, the big matchup in Lincoln, uh, Michigan, number two. Hey, uh, it's a road game. Congratulations. You're going to leave uh, Ann Arbor for this one. So uh, they get out to take on uh, Nebraska. Uh, and then again, the bus. Jerome Bettis is still on the way as well. Lots happening here. Speak Sports Radio. Stay with us. How would you like to get high-speed internet for your home for less than $2 a day? That's right. For about 50 bucks a month, you'll get lightning-fast internet. Are you paying less than 50 bucks a month right now for your internet? Then call Whole Home Connect right now for blazing-fast internet at 50 bucks a month with no price increases, no hidden fees, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees. It's a great deal. And guess what? You can try it for 15 days. If you don't like it you get your money back but you're gonna love it and you're gonna love the price internet for your home for 50 bucks a month that's less than two bucks a day plus no contracts no upfront costs no equipment fees and our 15-day guarantee call now 800-215-0341-800-215-0341 800-215-0341 that's 800-215-0341 
new segment we're going to introduce here uh, each week, or at least most weeks anyway. Packing it up. We're going to focus on those Pac-12 teams that are uh, packing their bags to uh, head over to the Big Ten. Uh, but first off, about this entire conference, um, the Pac-12, not just those future Big Ten teams, but fellas, right now, six Pac-12 teams in the top 20 uh, and two more sitting just outside the top 25 in Colorado and UCLA. I mean, that's eight teams. Uh, right now among the top 30 for a conference that basically is not going to be around this time next year. Well, yeah, that's not, it's not something we see very often. A conference is really good and then they just disappear. Um, So yeah, this is a, this is obviously new territory, but this conference has been great. I, now they're going to start beating each other up. We're going to see some teams lose, but it's really going to be fun to watch to see which one of these teams emerges from this uh, from this uh, cluster. Yeah, the the Pac-12 is kind of like the Harry Houdini of conferences. Like we're going to show up and then just be gone. Oof. Um, <laughs> I I do think it, it, this is going to be a lot of fun to see who can who can elevate because to Brad's point, you can't have this many teams in the top ten when they all play each other. So um, you talk about some great football. Selfishly, as a college football fan, there's some fantastic matchups, and it's going to be a lot of fun working on Saturdays as we watch these games. Yeah, no question. Um, If this were 2024, and it's not, uh, right now you'd have seven of the top ten teams in – I'm sorry, six of the top ten teams in the Big Ten. Uh, Obviously, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and then Washington – USC, Oregon. Fellas, right now, four teams all lined up uh, right behind each other. Washington at seven, USC eight, Oregon nine, and 10th is Utah. Um, they're all going into the weekend 4-0. The Huskies got a number one uh, first place vote in the AP poll. Um, are they the team to beat right now? Who's your favorite as it stands right now going into week five in the Pac-12? I I I think right now that I do like Washington. I, I like Oregon too, though. I, I think that those two teams are going to play here in a couple weeks. I think that's the winner of that game is my favorite. I, I like Washington right now, but I think Oregon's right on their heels. I don't think Utah has enough offense, although I think their defense is great. And USC doesn't have enough defense, although I think their offense is great. <laughs> yeah, the, these teams are stacked, and and I wonder even if, if Oregon, while they may not be able to be quite as good on offense as Washington, they've got a few studs on defense that that are awfully good. And I wonder if they might elevate to the top of the Pac-12. But when you've got the, this many good teams, I mean, well, again, it's just going to be great to watch is, them slug it out. Hey, does anybody else want to see Washington State win this and make the college football playoff before they go back to the... <laughs> Then they have to go to like what is it the the, the you know the whack or something you know the, you know down the road that would be uh, poetic justice right in so many ways for that and not only that go to the college football playoff and have your quarterback the Ward kid win the Heisman um, you know boy what a job he's that we talked about uh, Shadur Sanders um, you know he gets beat up last week it's gonna be tough to him to win the Heisman with that offensive line that the Buffaloes have um you know, obviously last year's winner Caleb Williams he's in the mix uh, Michael Penix Jr has been outstanding um you've got to include him in the conversation and, and now comes the Cougars quarterback um who's saying hey you know hold my beer I want to be I want to yep. assuming you're 21 I want to I want a part of this as well yeah there's this is a great conference I mean just a great group of guys on the offensive side of the ball and they're fun to fun to watch and you know I, I think um 
you know, this when you see when we see uh, Washington USC, I, I think that game could be like a thousand to nine hundred or something like that. It's going to be so much fun. And then you think about the the style of play that that these teams play when that gets injected into the Big Ten. We're going to see will the Big Ten be able to slow these guys down? Which let's face it, kind of happened to you know Penn State and Nebraska got pulled into the the Big Ten orbit, and and or will the these guys revolutionize the Big Ten where the rest of the conference is going to have to evolve to keep up with them? Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, last days of the AFL with all those great passing, you know, vertical yeah. offenses, right, going downfield. By the way, Cameron Ward of Washington State, just outstanding, uh, completing almost 75% of his passes, 1,394 yards, 13 touchdowns, and no interceptions uh, for the Cougars quarterback. Certainly a player to watch. But again, uh, packing it up, uh, we're looking at uh, Washington, number seven at Arizona. Uh, USC number eight at Colorado, 10 a.m. Mountain Time start. Thanks to Fox. Thanks, guys. Uh, alarm clocks and nodos come with that. And then uh, number nine, Oregon at Stanford uh, later on in the Pac 10, Pac 12 network at 6 30. All right, that's packing it up. Look, taking a look at those uh, teams headed to the Big Ten. We're back with more on Big Sports Radio after this. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. 800 That's 800-448-0828. Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. 
After a slow start, things are beginning to move just a bit for Nebraska and new head coach Matt Rule. The Huskers opened with road losses at Minnesota and Colorado, but have rebounded with back-to-back wins to even their record at 2-2. Two and two. Now comes their toughest test to date as number 2 Michigan invades Memorial Stadium. Here's Nebraska coach Matt Rule in his weekly news conference earlier this week. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to play every team we play. Um, no one came to the University of Nebraska to to not play good teams. Um you know, we started off with, you know, a tough schedule. We played on the road the first game. We started off with a, you know, had some had some tough breaks in that game. You know, had, had a touchdown before the half. We thought maybe, you know, you never heard us complain about anything. We're not here to complain. We're not here to make excuses. We're here to play good football and win. We went to Colorado, top 25 team at the time. Um, probably still are. I, don't, I haven't seen it. Um, you know, played them. We're, we're just going to play every week and battle. So, um, but, I mean, we believe that everything that happens in the game happens in practice. Um Good and bad. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're, we're going to build this program by developing, and that, that comes through practice, by challenging our guys. Um, even something as silly as, like, you know, we practice on Wednesday nights the last two weeks down on the grass fields. We take a break. We go in the locker room. We come back upstairs. We go in the stadium. Um, we did that for multiple reasons. But even when we went out after the weather delay, it was like, hey, this is this is team compete, man. Like, let's treat it like uh, treat it like a Wednesday night. So, um I think I think the I think what's what we're asking the guys to do is working in some ways. We just have to stay with it, you know, until until it comes fully to fruition. You think about when Coach Harbaugh first came in, you know, he was taking over, you know, after I can't remember if it was one or two coaches, and I don't ever want to be, but you know, a couple of years of not being a great program after being a great program, and he recruited. I mean, I remember working. I worked one of his camps when I was the head coach at, at the Temple. You guys probably don't remember, but he was the guy that started the satellite camps, right? And um, it was a big controversy at the time, right? He was the first person to go at 1201 to someone's house and recruiting. So I did that, and, you know, I, I didn't like doing it, but I did it because he was doing it. So um, he's had a real impact on the game, but his, his, sometimes I'll have recruits say to me like, well, coach, are we going to be good? And I'm, you know, what, 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 you know, what, should I go to Michigan? I'm like, well, he did it, <laughs> you know, so that's what we're doing. So um, yeah. So, the, so his blueprint for building that program for the, for the way that they play, a lot of those things are similar. You know, obviously we want to have, a little bit of an option element at times too, you know, so there's differences, but the overall arching blueprint for being great on the O and D lines, you know, having good quarterback play, being physical with tight end, all those things. That's, that's, that's what we're doing. Uh, those guys are doing what's asked of them. I think when you add the option component in that adds a lot to the offensive line, there's a lot of understanding the box counts and who the read key is and the pitch key is and all those different things. Um, but I think Bryce is playing well, you know, and the, the, they're certainly going to get tested this weekend with the edge players that Michigan has. Um, but, uh, you know, I think all those guys in the offensive line, they come in every day, they work, they battle, they get in the games, uh, they fight. Um, and uh, again, because of kind of the way we play offense, um, you get to some games and it's a little different than what you expected. Right. So um, they have to kind of adjust early in the game to see how people are playing us. Uh, and I think Bryce is one of those guys who does a great job at that. I, I believe that iron sharpens iron. I believe you get better at practice. I think going against each other has helped us, um, you know, because we go against each other on, you know, even on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we compete against each other. Um, so I think that's really helped us. Uh, you know, Michigan, uh, Michigan's as, as good a team up front in terms of their defensive line, in terms of getting off blocks. They're not trying to really fool you necessarily. I mean, they will pressure you, um, but you know, they, they are as good a team in terms of playing with their hands and, you think you have a window and they get off. And so you have to be, you have to be content with two and three and four yard runs. Right. And you have to get your backs to run uh, hard. And, you know, you know there's not going to be gaping holes against Michigan. <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen. It's going to be 
when you can recruit a bunch of really good players and they're not necessarily playing and you're willing to rotate guys through or, you know, have guys take some scout team reps, I think it helps them, but also really helps your starters. I think on the defensive line, I think, you know, just I think we're playing with more extension. We're getting off blocks. We're finishing line movements, um, you know, the, the communication, you know, dealing with, you know, hey, this they're in this set. You know, I think I think all those things have, have gotten significantly better. I think we get off blocks better than, than, than we had earlier. Um, so I think the guys are doing a good job of that in the run game. Um, and, and they play hard. You know, that's, that's one thing about our guys. They, they play really, really hard up front. I think Heinrich's done a good job of obviously running the option, run, running the zone reads, running the speed options. You know, a lot of them he's keeping right now. So sometimes I don't know if people know it's the option, but it is. You know, he's just kind of keeping the ball and, and running for big runs. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's done a good job of communication in the huddle. Same problems are still there. We still dropped, you know, we still dropped the snap on the on the first drive of the third quarter. We scored a touchdown. He's, we still just reached down to instead of falling on, reached down to pick it up, and he scampered. So um, we still have a lot of coaching to do, you know. And uh, I can only say that because because Heinrich is such a team guy. He recognizes it. So he's a young player. Uh, he's he's going to make good plays. He's going to make some mistakes. I just like the way he's kind of got the mindset that we preach about what's next. Like whatever happened, come back the next play. You know it's really great when you have guys who aren't sensitive that you can coach. You don't have to worry about how you say it to them. And Heinrich, uh, Heinrich, he's that guy. So, you know, we, we can coach him. And I, I thought in the passing game, the Huskers and Wolverines will kick it off at three 30 Eastern time on Saturday in Lincoln. That game can be seen on Fox. Stay with us. The bus hall of famer, Jerome Bettis joins us next here on big sports radio. You're listening to the big sports radio network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Big Sports Radio back. Larry, Mike, and Brad with you. And we've got a very special guest, uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer, the bus. You saw him last week on the sidelines there at Notre Dame. Sorry. I know, I know, I know it's a tough ending, but it's still great to see you. Jerome Bettis, how are you? I'm I'm doing well under the circumstances. Yeah, that was a it was a tough loss um uh last weekend. But um, you know what? The team looked really good, played well, just couldn't finish it at the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, two really good teams, and uh, for those of us watching, it was just a, a thrill. Hey, what a talk some football, but I also want to talk about, I know you had a health issue that, that almost ended your career before it started. Tell us about that. Well, yeah, I, I was 14 years old, and I went out to play football, uh, and during the practice, I, I fell out, was taken to the hospital, and was diagnosed with having asthma. And at that point, I thought my football career was over. I was done. But mom and dad and the doctors actually reassured me and convinced me that I would be fine as long as I took the medicines I was supposed to do, uh, took the precautions I was supposed to take to to make sure that that I was okay. And and told me that you know what I can I can continue to play. So I did continue to play, but. Ever since that day, I've been diligent about my air quality and understanding um, the triggers that that caused it, caused the asthma, uh, and making sure my environment um, was was safe for me. And so that's kind of led me to this relationship uh, with AirServe, a neighborly company, because they understand the the need for great air quality as well. That's a pretty amazing story because 13,000 yards later in a Hall of Fame, you know, you, you managed to work your way through that. Um, now, you, you were actually working with AirServe to help install indoor air quality equipment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, that was a, a really cool experience. Um, we were in Pittsburgh and there was a family in Pittsburgh that was, um, uh, you know, uh, were picked to receive uh, this uh, indoor air quality system, but they also uh, received a furnace as well. And so it was just a great experience to be there as that was being installed. Uh, I didn't do the installing. There was a <laughs> that did all the amazing work, but it was great to see uh, this family benefit and to know that they had a grandson who had some breathing issues and, and that it was much needed in the home. So, so to be able to provide something like that uh, for a family was, was really significant. And that's why I'm, I'm so fortunate to be working with a company like AirServe. Yeah, I know you, you know, there's a lot of you know a lot of indoor pollution may not be aware of. Um, what can we do to eliminate some of those issues? So it, you know what it, it, it can be as small as cleaning your air ducts, um, uh, you, your air filter uh, at home. Nobody thinks of cleaning that. If you clean that regularly, it makes a tremendous difference uh, in your homes. So these are some small things, but then there's also some bigger things. Uh, there's some indoor air quality systems that are available, um, you know, for all of us. Uh, and, and just if you want to learn more about any of you know, these things, all you have to do is go to airserve.com slash the bus. And uh, you can learn more about all the options that are available for all of us. Yeah. You know, I want to talk about a little bit about uh, getting into football now. We appreciate that information. Um, uh, what have you seen right now? We talked Notre Dame a moment ago, but the NFL season, what really excites you here just a few weeks into this new season? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's it's a all over the board. I mean, you see an incredible team like the 49ers, they just beat up and mauled the Steelers week one, right? And you look at you look and see how this team out of the gates, they look like, you know, gangbusters. And then you turn around and you look at a Miami Dolphins team that just put up 70 points against a, a Denver team that you thought was not bad. Um, but then you say, wow, just look at how good they are. And then you look at a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, they lose offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and they still find a way to win these football games. And, and they haven't even reached anywhere of their potential. So to be an NFL fan right now, you should be loving it because it's some great football that's being played. And really early in the season, you usually don't see that. You know, the funny thing is I told a buddy at work that I was going to get the opportunity to meet you. He shows me a picture of you, your battering Ram, L.A. Rams poster, and him <laughs> as a as a much younger man. So there, there's a lot of fans who have uh, really <laughs> enjoyed memories of you. What was your most significant memory of playing in the NFL? Well, a lot of people think it's it's, you know, me putting on the gold jacket and, and going to Hall of Fame, but that's that's not even close. It's really uh, about me raising that Lombardi trophy uh, because every year the goal was always to be the best player you could possibly be so that you could help your team win a championship. Uh, and that was always the goal. And so to be able to lift that Lombardi trophy, give it a big kiss, and to, to raise it at, in my home stadium in Detroit – that was a dream come true. And so that's a, mem that's a mem moment and memory that I will never, ever forget. 
Yeah, and how about the the fans in 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 Pittsburgh? I mean, as you've mentioned, you've seen this now almost your entire career. It began with the Rams, and and then of course went to Pittsburgh for the rest. Um, the one thing I was always impressed with this fan base travels like a college fan. Yeah, I mean, I remember going to the Super Bowl uh, in Detroit, um, and um, which was um, I could be two thousand six, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. And you guys beat Seattle and Matt Hasselbeck. And I'm not kidding. Here's a neutral site. 70% of the other stadium had the black had the black and gold towels. <laughs> yeah. So so it, it's it's a little bit, it throws you off because it's not actually as, as much traveling. Now there is there is a, a boatload of people that come from Pittsburgh. But what happens is let's say it's a West Coast game. You've got fans from all over the country that live on the West Coast that don't get an opportunity to come to Pittsburgh. So they circle the one West Coast game and everybody converges on that West Coast game. And then you have some people, some some like games that down in Florida. So all the fans that's in the southeastern part of the country, they kind of go to that game. So we get so much support from all over the country. And a lot of it is from people who, who were from Pittsburgh who have since moved on uh, to different parts of the country, but they still support their Steelers and they come out in droves to see us wherever we play. Yeah, it's um, it is amazing to uh, to watch. Uh, great to talk with you, Jerome, and uh, all the. Now I know you're doing some stuff here uh, with AirServe. What else do you do with your days now? You you golf or what? What 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 are your days like? <laughs> uh, the the days are are really good. I do. I I enjoy golfing, but I'm, I still have a son here that's in school. He's a junior in high school, so I'm making sure he's uh, on the straight and narrow, and and until I can get him into college. Uh, you know, it's still it's still a little choppy, but uh, I I got another year and a half, and then I'll be an empty nester, and and uh, I think life will be much much easier. <laughs> does he a football player as well? Do you play football? <laughs> yes, he does. He's a he's a junior. He's being recruited by a ton of schools all over the country, and um, and so I'm I'm getting waiting to get him uh to the finish line, my finish line, not his, but my finish line. <laughs> Once I get him off to college, then I'm in good shape. <laughs> Very good. Jerome Bettis, we appreciate your time. The Pro Football Hall of Famer. Good luck with everything. And we appreciate the knowledge as well. I know there's some people out there that um, are in that situation and can really benefit from this. We appreciate your time. Right. Hey, thank you, guys. Airserve.com slash the bus. Any more information about air quality. Thanks, guys. That's perfect. We appreciate thank it. Jerome Bettis, thanks so much. You're on Big Sports Radio. Stay tuned. We'll pay some bills and back with more on the Big Sports Radio Network. Attention business owners, have you filed for your employee retention credit and been approved? Are you now waiting for your refund check from the IRS instead of waiting months to a year plus? How would you like to get your ERC money in about 10 days? Now you can. With ERCMoneyUpfront.com, we help business owners that have filed their employee retention credit and been approved to get their money faster. If you're getting between $75,000 and $5 million, we could get you up to a 70% advance on that money in about 10 days. To learn more about how you can get your ERC money faster, call this number right now. Speak with one of our funding specialists and have a text sent to your cell phone with details. 800-279-0419. 800-279-0419. 800-279-0419. 
That's 800-279-0419. This is not a loan product except in California. An offer is not available in the state of Massachusetts. more college football right now our friend dennis dot of cbs sports with another uh, really good article uh, saying that his reporting um and the research he's done and talking to different uh, officials uh, doesn't look like there'll be any change in the format for the newly expanded college football playoff in 2024 of course right now we know it's four teams next year it it triples in size to 12 teams the big issue here is the you know, power five conferences, um, you know, there's only going to be one to be down the power four with the PAC 12 essentially going away, but it looks like they won't change how they, how they select these teams until 2025 at the earliest. Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, that they talk about how they're going to, you know, the, the conference champions are going to be the get guaranteed spots and, you know, going to be in certain spots, certain positions. And, so now you take out one of those. So it does. You got four conference champions now, and and then you got eight at large. It gives more teams an opportunity, I think, to sneak or sneak into this. Um, and, and you know, you never know. Upsets can happen. I think it's. I think it's good. Yeah. You. What I wonder is behind the scenes. You know, do are the Big Ten and the SEC? You know, are they saying like, okay we should each get three or or whatever it is <laughs> as a minimum. You know, and I think that's probably what the rest of the conferences are concerned about is of these at-large bids, how many are going to be looked at as the the property of Big Ten and SEC? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, another interesting topic that's come up, um, you know, we've talked with uh, Trev Alberts, the Nebraska athletic director, earlier on the show about this. And now the Oregon State AD uh, had a conversation earlier as well, talking about uh, you know, relegation. And, and, you know, if you follow soccer, you know how this goes, right? If you win, you move up in division. If you lose, you, you go down. Am I explaining that the right way? Yeah. Um, what about, you know, for college football, do you even see that being possible that that could happen in college football here in the next 10 to, to 20 years? I, I do think it's possible. I totally, totally think it's possible. I think you could see a, um, you know, you could see where you break up these kind of the upper level uh, and lower level conferences. I mean, I, I think relegation is a possibility um, and it would be kind of wild. I think, I don't know if it had happened in basketball, but I do think it could happen in college football, you know, and you know that, you know, Ted Lasso would come over and, you know, help some <laughs> of these teams, uh, you know, move up a level, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's very possible in college football. You could see that down the road. I, the, here's what I only thing I don't get about it is how do you budget if you get relegated and let's say, you know, you're in the top level and you're making a hundred million a year and you get relegated to the bottom level that makes, I don't know, I'm just making this up $25 million a year. How do you pay all your bills and not have to cut a bunch of sports? I just wonder, that's the hurdle. I don't understand, but there's people a lot smarter than me working on this. Well, I'll tell you since I am a lot smarter than you too. So, um, no, (laughs) So, but no, but it could be, it doesn't have to be that, that big a, a discrepancy. Right. You know, right. let's say if somebody's getting a hundred million, if you're relegated, maybe you get 90 million or something like that. You know, it's like yeah. a different thing because, and, and it would put these teams, you could have teams still be in the big 10, but in the big 10, like, 
you know, B division or the Big Ten A division, you know, so forth. And you could have to play your way up or out. The scary thing is, is if you do that and you put all the stud teams together, you might have a great conference one year and somebody wins it at eight and four and they never get a, you know, you get one team into the championship because you only were at eight and four. I I wonder a lot of these big time schools who want to make more money because they're the, they're, they're the man. They have to understand that even in pro wrestling, you got to have the the losers. You got to have the guys who go out and get their butts kicked <laughs> so that the winners can look like winners more often. So I don't know. Somebody has to be the Washington generals, right? Yeah. Somebody's got to be scrap iron Godowski. <laughs> who? Scrap iron Godowski. He was a loser back in the old AWA. They called them jobbers. But yeah, you 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 know you've heard of like AWA champions like Vern Gagne and even guy Nick Bockwinkle, but not Scrap Iron Godowski. I haven't heard of any of them, and I suddenly I feel left out somehow. I don't know how that 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 works. Um, uh, hey guys, meanwhile, another uh, really interesting story. You know the the two teams leaving the Big Twelve, Texas and Oklahoma, uh, found out what their exit bill is going to be, and it's not as bad as what uh, everyone thought. Um, you know, I, as I understand it, they, they were looking at possibly having to pay like $160 million. And it turns out it's going to be, um, you know, several million less, closer to $100 million. What a bargain. What a bargain for them. Actually, and they'll end up money ahead. But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, sometimes uh, I, I always wonder the numbers are a little inflated on the exits, on the uh, what the conferences are going to get at the end of the day, all that stuff. Um as we kind of look at this, but yeah, it's good for them. I think, I think they were looking at library book uh, overdue fees as the way that they were going to base <laughs> that on. <laughs> well, it is uh, interesting to see. There's no question at all. Um, <laughs> It'll be a nickel a day, Sonny. It's <laughs> crazy. Uh, yeah, Texas and Oklahoma headed to the SEC with about $60 million, uh in their pocket extra than what they uh, could have had. Uh, stay with us. We'll pay some bills. Uh, nothing that high. And we're back with more after this. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it. If your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. 
If I was your mother and you had a drug problem, I'd grab you by the ear and make you call and get help. You can be in treatment tomorrow and start to get clean in seven days. Follow mom's advice and call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. Write this number down. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. Okay, guys, uh, we we said it was coming. I mean, look, the Dion hype train in Colorado is is I think it's awesome. Still ready for college football. Um, they go out there and face uh, a really good Oregon team last week, and they get drilled. They get USC this week. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, but listen, say what you want about Dion. I thought he was. He, he had the perfect response to that loss afterwards. He was contrite. He congratulated the other team. Um, he's showing you something. Low character. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought he was, you know, he, but well, I mean, I don't know what you're going to say when you get drubbed like that, but you're basically like, hey, hey we got beat. Um, well, I like they said, get me now. You better beat me now because you know he's going to recruit well. I mean, that's a given. And he's going to be active in the portal and get guys to come in and play. So, yeah, I, I think they're, this is probably the scary part for a lot of these teams that this is probably the worst team he's going to have. I mean, you know, at Colorado. I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I look, the only thing I've really had a problem with Dion is when he kind of went after one of the reporters for, quote, not believing in him, unquote. I, I think that's a little Bush League. You know, a reporter's supposed to put what they believe. I mean, and if the guy didn't think, you know, Dion was going to be a good coach. Well, let's play the season and see how it plays out. Um, but I, I think he he hit the right tone on this. And next week it should be really interesting. Although USC doesn't play a lot of defense either. Um, but I, I'll tell you, you know, I, it's he, he's got a tough schedule because this year the Pac-12 in its final year is much more formidable than anybody thought, and he plays them most of all, you know, all those ranked teams. So he might have to have this speech used a little more often than he expects. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's a crazy game Saturday, 10 a.m. local time. Right, USC at Colorado, but the Fox wanted for their noon Eastern game. I get that. Um, everyone wants to, wants Colorado, um, but you've got to get up. That's, that's not, that's not be at the stadium at 10 getting ready. That is kicking off at 10. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's wild. Of course, you guys haven't played enough, you know, travel basketball and travel softball tournaments over the years because the eight a.m. game times. The eight a.m. game times we rarely won. I'll tell you that much, Brad. Yeah, but yeah, so you're supposed to come out and show off your stuff in front of the college coaches who are coming in with their Starbucks and their in their cup and their eyes are glazed over and yeah, you're supposed to look good. So yeah, I, I get it. It's gonna be tough. The all-time best was at uh, Under Armour down in Dallas a couple of years ago. Tom Izzo came in at the crack of dawn, and he still had bedhead in the back. And I was thinking to myself, <laughs> shouldn't one of the assistant coaches go, hey, hey, hey coach, and kind of tamp it down a little bit, you know, because yeah. it, it looked like he had just gotten out of bed. And I have no doubt he probably flew down in an airplane that morning or something, but I, I, was, I was amazed that he was there because I think he was somewhere else the night before. Um, 
but but I do think those early morning games are brutal. And we, we used to do those in soccer, too. And uh, there's nothing better than playing at 32 <laughs> degrees at 8 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, well it, I, I'll tell a quick story. One time in Vegas, we, we were out until uh, me and a group of uh, assistant coaches were out a little bit past maybe curfew. And the next morning, we're, we're headed to this 8 o'clock game. I was the only guy that made it in the group. So there you go. I was, I'm a trooper, man. I'm a trooper. Brad, Brad, I, I was, I was a district manager for pharma. So we ended up uh, with many stories about Vegas, but you, let me tell you one thing. You don't want to get caught by your VP of sales, getting out of a cab at five 30 in the morning when the meeting starts at eight. <laughs> does not, not does no. not go well. Not good. Um, hey, great story in college football this week. Uh, Shenandoah's Haley Van Voorhees making uh, history the first female non-kicker to appear in the game. I, I thought this was, I saw the highlights of this. I think this is fantastic. So cool. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, that's cool. I mean, that just shows, you know, hey, we're, we're you know, it's good to see somebody, you know, kind of making this, uh, uh, I guess, making this trek here into a non-kicker. But I, 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 I will say this. I, I don't think this is something we want to see um, on a consistent basis. I'm not sure I want to see them get splattered um, <laughs> on, in, in like a high major game or something. So, yeah, there there are a lot of men that don't need to be anywhere near a football field, and I would say that there's a few women who will definitely be fine. But boy, it is a physical physical sport, and and you don't want to see anybody get hurt. And I'll just leave it at that because, like I said, you gotta you gotta be a stud, male or female, to play a sport. A contact sport like football at the college level. Yeah, Van Voorhees, uh, she plays a safety at Shenandoah University Division III, uh, but she does make history. She's officially the first woman non-kicker to appear in an NCAA game. She came into the first quarter uh, and got a quarterback hurry on third down uh, against the other team. Good for her. By the way, she's actually played uh, JV football the last two years, so uh, she's not new to the game, um, you know, but it's uh, but it was just new to the varsity and, and very cool. Uh, for her, Haley Van Voorhees. Remember the name, Shenandoah uh, College out in Virginia. Very I, I will say the the blocking on that play was similar to like uh, <laughs> they thought Mike was heading towards the pizza buffet. They completely spread. It was like the Reds. They said, "Hey, go tackle the quarterback." So I don't know. Pretty much. <laughs> right. Hey, she got a hurry. You know what? She she made it on the stat sheet. That's all that counts. <laughs> no. all right. Keep it here. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. As we continue here on Big Sports Radio, Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy, uh, with our friend here, Tom Kakert of HawkeyeReport.com, as we talked about um, this Iowa game last week. First shutout, I believe I read. Um, had to rub my eyes and read it again. Since 2000, um, the loss last week to Penn State. Now they're back home again on NBC. Uh, last week at CBS, this week it's NBC and home against Michigan State. Tom, good to have you back on the show again. You know, we talked about all offseason that that the offense would would be fixed, right, with the new quarterback coming in from Michigan. Um, boy, the struggles continue. Struggles are real. Yeah, it was the first shutout since 2000 against Illinois, 31-0 also okay. in that score. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it was not a, uh, not a good day for Iowa football. It was not a great um, – Great, great day 
overall, I mean, it was raining, it was gloomy. Every time I go to state college, it seems like that's the weather. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's just pouring down rain most of the day and the weather's just bad, gloomy and everything. And, but I was won quite a few game, gloomy games up there, but they just, you know, it was interesting. First half, it was 10 nothing at halftime. And honestly, if Eric All doesn't fumble on a on a reception, Iowa's probably going to get at least three, maybe six, seven, you know, whatever. And, and on that drive, and then they have the the punt that hits the Iowa player in the back, and they lose possession, and and Penn State scores there. Penn State's ten points came off both those turnovers, and you could have made a case that maybe it would be like seven three at half. And but what really I thought decided the game and I was sitting by my friends in the press box who cover Iowa was that first drive. I said, the first drive of the second half is going to be where this game's decided. And Penn state just took it right down. Iowa's throat, just marched it just Iowa to Iowa and, um, and just uh, put it, it was 17, nothing. And, and I said, boys, we can start writing. <laughs> so, you know, just uh, that's what it was like. It was just, um, yeah, just and then it just snowballed, and then it just you could just see Iowa broke. And, and it, it's it's tough to win when you get four first downs, 76 yards of total offense. Um, don't have the ball for more than what was it, 34 plays? Um, yeah. just in, incredible. I mean, part of that's Penn State just not, not giving the ball up, and they were just driving Iowa. They Iowa Iowa, they did, they just turnovers, driving the ball forever. Um, methodically. So yeah. Penn State's good. Yeah. 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 They're good. So how does it, you know, how did things go in Iowa when Cade said, I'm, I don't call the plays. I'm just the quarterback <laughs> because nationally we, you know, we heard ripples from that. Oh yeah. It was, um, that was a big, uh, that was an interesting moment when he said, said that um, yesterday and it was interesting uh, you know, I talked to uh, Nico Regani af, um, on earlier on Tuesday too, and he made a comment about um, the wide receivers not really being part of the game plan. And you know, that's just how it was. And boy, it just seemed like, oh, guys are getting a little frustrated. Um, you learn a lot about a team after their first loss and where adversity takes you, and that's the big thing this weekend that I think we're going to learn is what's, what's this Iowa team made of, you know, um, I, I've been, I was kind of surprised by, I, I shouldn't say I was kind of surprised. I was really surprised by Kate's comments, but I, I think it was more, I don't want to talk about why the receivers aren't going to get the ball. So I'm kind of deferring than it was, tossing the OC under the bus, but it came off like he was tossing the OC under the bus, you know? And, and Tom, I think too, because I think that's where everyone else is watching this, you know, that look, there were calls for Brian Ferentz to be booted a year ago, right? When the offense really struggled, yeah. he's an offensive coordinator. He's the coach's son. Mm-hmm. We get that storyline. I think, you know, again, like I said, we, we thought that would change during the off season with bringing in McNamara and the great success he had at Michigan. Um, and I think that's where, you know, I think we all went there because that's what we were thinking. It was okay. Well, Brian Ferentz is probably, is he back on the hot seat again? 
And they up upgraded wide receivers. Yeah. You know, they brought in um, you know, Caleb Brown, brought in Seth Anderson, um, brought in Eric All at, as another tight end, you know, to kind of fill the Samuel Porta role. So there were weapons there. I think the biggest thing that and maybe the great unknown is that Cade, you know, strained, pulled, whatever that quad in August and you watch him move and, you know, he looks more like us than he does um, a college quarterback. Uh, you, know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't move as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I know exactly what you say. Yeah. He looks more like he's a guy in his fifties uh, trying to move around than he does a guy in his twenties. Um, but that's the nature of having that sort of injury uh, no matter what age you are and what kind of an athlete you are, if, especially if you're trying to throw football and sometimes throwing it on a run, it's, it's the, I think that's kind of the great unknown here. Uh, and also, you know, last week they were without their two best running backs. Uh, not that that would have made a difference because they weren't running the ball either. So it's, it, it's just not, this is a huge week because Michigan state is dead team walking. I, I think we'd all agree on that, that they are just, you know, and they're a team that as Washington showed and granted Michael Penix might be your Heisman trophy yeah, winner this year, exactly. <laughs> but teams are throwing on Michigan state. They, they could have thrown for a thousand yards on him that day. And I, you know, I think Maryland threw on him a lot last week. So there's an opportunity there. And I don't know how excited Michigan State's going to be about hitting the road. Um, you know, going to play at night at Kinnick. I don't know. Uh, and and um, are some of those guys on that Michigan State team going to make business decisions this week? Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, it's this. they've played four games. Do you want a red shirt and put yourself in the portal eventually or keep that portal option for an extra year? I think there's a lot of guys on that roster that are thinking, are probably going to be thinking about that or making that decision at some point this week that, that, um, you know, with, with Mel Tucker gone, you can go somewhere else and maybe play college football rather than stay at Michigan state. You know, it seems to me that if you look at a couple different things, you've got conflicting evidence here. You see Iowa with four first downs. Yeah. 76 total yards. On the other hand, you look at the Big Ten West, and there's nobody <laughs> there that is scary to anybody. Even in no. Wisconsin, you know, has has been pounded. Um, so, and and then you you know you 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 look at teams like Michigan State. You got to play them. They they don't look that good, but I figure they're like Russian roulette. There's yeah. one good game left in Michigan State. Who's going to get it? Yeah, but. Um, they're going to get somebody. Yeah, exactly. Somebody. And, and is it this week against Iowa? Does Illinois take it? You know, who knows? Um, but, but how, how do you, what do you see Kirk Ferentz doing this week to, to recapture and bolster this team after a performance? I don't know what anybody thought they were going to, you know, blow Penn state out, but I don't think anybody thought that this would be a, a, a butt kicking like we saw. How does he yeah, get it back? Think, yeah, this is the most important week for those coaches and for the leadership on the team, for example. And I, I went back to like last year when they got their just 
destroyed at, at Ohio State. And Jack Campbell, All-American linebacker, playing first-round pick for the Lions now. And he came out basically in the press conference that day and just said, nobody's going to point any fingers on this team. It's on the defense. We got to do a better job too. And um, nobody's going to point any fingers. And that kind of kept that team together and kind of kept them going. So I think that's, it's the leadership. It's Kirk Ferentz. It's his staff. um, It's the culture of the program that's going to be tested this week. So they're going to get really tested um, to see if they can hold this together. And if you can't, you end up, you could spiral really quickly. I mean, it's razor's edge kind of thing. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. Yeah. Tom Caker of the HawkeyeReport.com. As always, we appreciate your insight. Enjoy this game at home, and hopefully the Hawkeyes pull through. Um, again, the West Division wide open right now. Thanks, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right, Thanks, Tom, Tom Caker, once again, HawkeyeReport.com. Be sure to check that out uh, for all of your pregame and postgame notes on this big game this weekend uh, and all the recruiting going on as well. Mike ran out of time and didn't talk to him as well about the big uh, uh, the women's recruits, uh, Aaliyah Guyton, coming in from Peoria. They got uh, the defending national runner-ups in basketball, uh, women's basketball. Got that as well. All right, stay with us. More Big Sports Radio after this. Hey, airline travelers. Let's say you have a problem and you need to change or cancel an existing airline reservation. What do you do? Well, Skywatch is a free service that can help anyone with any airline reservation fix it. Whether you want to cancel it, change your dates, or add passengers, we can help fix your airline reservations so you get exactly what you need. We've updated our computer database and now have access to every airline around the globe. So now you can make one phone call, regardless of who booked your airline tickets, and we'll change it, cancel it, and fix it for you. We know the insider secrets to fixing reservations that the airline Airlines don't want you to know about. So if you need to cancel, change, or modify an existing airline reservation, call Skywatch right now. It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 800-413-7158. 800-413-7158. That's 800-413-7158. Got a real treat this week. We are going to preview the game, and the Journal and Courier has let Sam King come on. You can find him at Samuel T. King on Twitter. He covers Purdue, and it's part of the USA Today Network. I don't know if it's really a grudge match, but there's certainly a little bit of additional fire, as if two universities this close together need something else. But when Part of the staff of Purdue was uh, in orange and blue last year. That puts a little bit more intensity and a little bit more into it. Now the coaches will probably do their best to tell us that's not true. But Sam, uh, do you think it means a little more to Ryan Walters and crew to to come out of this vic- this week with a win? Yeah, I, I, he had his uh, weekly press conference, and I think he knew the questions were going to come. And he deflected a little bit, but also he's not shying away from the fact that he spent two years in Champaign. There's a connection there. He knows some of the guys over there. Uh, They know him. And that adds a little fuel to the fire. And I'm sure that maybe some friendly smack talk uh, throughout the week and especially on Saturday when those guys get out there because everybody's ultra competitive and you want to one up the guy that left or you want to one up the, you know, the, the program that you just left to go start your own program. So on top of that, you have a, the cannon which Ryan Walters hasn't touched in you know his two years in Champaign, and now 
he's trying to uh, to keep that uh, where it's been the last couple of years. And uh, as he said today, anytime there's a trophy or any extra trinket that you're playing for, that's just extra incentive to go out and win. More importantly, I think both of these programs, this could be a, a turning point type game for them where you need a Big Ten win early in the season. You know, Illinois sitting there at two and two, Purdue sitting there at one and three, and both probably feel that uh, at this point, the records would be a little bit better than they are. So this is a chance to kind of feel like maybe you get some momentum here early in the season and, and get this thing turned in the right direction. With Purdue, you know, their early schedule, it was not necessarily the easiest schedule in the world either. Fresno State, who I, th- I believe they're ranked or right on the yeah, edge. Very, very good football team, which a lot of people going into that first game or after that first game, fan-wise anyway, was like, how do you lose to Fresno State? Well, Fresno State won its last 10 football games last year, won a bowl game, won a conference title, and you know, was still going out and playing well with a, a new quarterback. So that loss, which was a last-minute touchdown uh, by Fresno State to win, not I want to say it looks better, but it looks like a respectable loss now. Yes. It's not the worst thing in the world to lose to that team. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse is, has been famous for a good offense. Obviously, I'm. what were your thoughts on the Wisconsin team? Because I have wondered if if that team will be able to, you know, it's basically a running team that's trying to be a passing team. How is that chemistry going for, for the Badgers? Yeah, it, it does not look like a traditional Wisconsin team, that's for sure. It, it wasn't a double tight, two running backs in the backfield offense uh but it was successful and uh kind of what has been Purdue's problem through four games was why it was on the wrong end of that that game uh there's been periods throughout games uh where Purdue looks like this you know incredible offense great defense and then there's been times in the same game where it's three and out can't can't get a yard on third and one can't get a yard on fourth and one but you want to be aggressive in those situations and go for it and just, you know, can't cover receivers and giving up way too many big plays. I, I think Wisconsin's really good. And, you know, when you start looking at the teams in that half of the Big Ten, you, we saw last year, it's a crapshoot. It really is going down to it. It could be anybody's game uh, to get into that Big Ten championship game. Now Purdue's behind the eight ball. And that makes this Illinois game all that much more important. So, you know, just raises the stakes maybe a little bit more if there wasn't enough already with the, the cannon. And like you said, with Coach Walters and the the guys that he took from that staff to to start his uh, run as a head coach at Purdue. Well, that's you know, of course, Illini fans love Coach Walters. We wish him all the luck in the world. Just not this Saturday. The rest of the Saturdays, we're all for him, but but not this Saturday. As we go here, we're going to fo- kind of follow a, a pace that's kind of traditional here. The Illini guy is going to talk a little bit about the man of the hour. That Illini, of course, the Illini were were supposedly interested in Hudson Card. I think, uh, uh, you know, he landed at Purdue. Very um, well thought of player. How has he done uh, for the Boilermakers? And is he living up to your expectations that, you you know, based on the research that you did when he came to Purdue? Man, it's it's hard to, to gauge that because uh, when Coach Walters got the job, he he knew Aiden O'Connell was drafted or going to be drafted at that time into the NFL and the team needed a quarterback and he wanted to highlight who he thought was the best quarterback in the transfer portal. And he hires Graham Harrell to be the offensive coordinator. I think the story is he flew to Texas with a Purdue shirt in hand, gave it to coach Harrell said, throw this on. We're going to, to meet Hudson card. And uh, obviously 
impressed him, lured, lured him to West Lafayette. Uh, but all we heard throughout spring, throughout fall camp, was that you know he's a superstar NFL caliber quarterback. He's a special player, you know, game changer. And based on that, without seeing any more than you know him throwing against his own defense occasionally, uh, you expect to really be wowed. And I don't know that I've been wowed um, yet. And I think he leads the Big Ten in, in completions and has made some passes that not many college quarterbacks can probably make. But you haven't seen him take a game over yet. And you know we've seen him do make some plays with his legs. We've seen him make some impressive throws, but. Um, you know, it's, it's probably been not what fans would have expected based on all of the hype that uh, surrounded him when he got here. And, you know, I, I don't fault him for leaving Texas, knowing who was starting in front of him and knowing what recruited behind him. So I think he saw the writing on the wall there and wanted to play a lot more than he was going to have the opportunity to play. And knowing he was coming to Purdue with an air raid offense, he was going to, first of all, play pretty much every snap that was meaningful. And secondly, get to throw the ball around a lot, which he's been able to do. So uh, I do think he's progressed. He's gotten better. He's gotten smarter about running the ball, knowing when to run. He had uh, the game-winning touchdown on the ground against Virginia Tech. And he had a a rushing touchdown that at the time looked like it was going to be huge if Purdue was able to come back and beat Wisconsin, but ended up not being the case. He has taken some sacks. He's uh, you know, it was probably part of that is, if not all of it on the offensive line at times and thrown some passes that maybe he shouldn't have, but he's definitely a legit talent. I think there's no question about that. He's just going to keep getting better and better the more comfortable he gets, because even though he was at Texas and he started, you know, four or five games there, he didn't play a whole lot of college football um, before he came to Purdue. So looking at, at Hudson, I guess probably he also suffers in the fact that you know, when Purdue talks about difference makers, they've got some guy named Breeze who played there recently, which are, while he may not be physically the biggest man, he left a massive set of cleats for somebody to try to put their feet in. Yeah. And it's, it's not just Drew Breeze, although Drew Breeze being from near where Hudson Card grew up uh, was very instrumental in getting him here because at the time, uh, Drew Brees came to West Lafayette prior to the bowl game after Jeff Brom left to go to Louisville and said, hey, you know, it's it's a month before the bowl game. I'm here to help out, you know, as a fill-in interim coach, however you need me, if you want me to coach quarterbacks or whatever it is. Um, never had an uh, inkling that he was going to join the staff in the future and want to do that full time because, my gosh, he's got more money than anybody ever needs. Why would you want to get into college yeah. football recruiting and coaching um, when you don't need to? So his impact is still felt 20-something years later. So when it comes down to to uh, the running back position, obviously we saw the the what I thought was a touching time when Maccabee got his uh, scholarship. And certainly he he was very valuable last season. Um, how is the the running back position doing? And, and um, is that living up to expectation with Maccabee and some of the other uh, performers back there? I think that um, if you're looking at the numbers based on what Maccabee did in the last, you know, eight games or whatever it was last season that that ultimately earned him a scholarship, it's been pretty underwhelming. But I think the running game did do very well against Wisconsin, um, got going a little bit. Uh, A big move was Purdue took Tyrone Tracy, who used to, to play receiver at Iowa and transferred to Purdue last year and was a receiver, but uh, probably was a bit underutilized as a receiver. didn't get him the ball a whole lot for a guy that, that you know, you touted as this big time athlete, you need an open space. 
Purdue takes him this year and moves him to the running back position. And he's, you know, he's been lighting the world on fire. Now the receiving core, now that's an area that people expect Purdue to be extremely talented in. I, I think this group has exceeded expectations, at least early on from, from what I expected, uh, at least. Senior TJ Sheffield, he might be the guy that was the breakout. And it turned out that it's been Dion Burks, who, you know, the, the first uh, drive of the season, they threw a slant to him and he turns it into a, whatever it was, 84-yard touchdown. And he's really been a guy that I think they need to get him the ball more. Um, and because of what he did in the first game of the season, defenses now are scouting against him. But you got to be creative and find a way to get him a, the ball because he's the fastest guy on the team. And how is the offensive line doing? I know that's been a, an area of up and down play. Before the Wisconsin game, I think it was, I looked it up and Purdue had 19 tries at a third and one, third and two, or fourth and one, and had only converted eight of those. And uh, a lot of that was Purdue just feeling like we should be able to run the ball for one yard and then get stuffed. The team did get center Gus Hartwig back last week, and that should really help bolster that line. He's he's a bigger he's an upgrade from uh, Josh Kaltenberger, who was playing there. And then a few weeks ago, I think Purdue was down to its fourth center, so uh, that was the recipe for disaster. But uh, I think that's an area where uh, Coach Walters was asked today how to or to evaluate his offensive line playing. He never said they're playing poorly. He never said they're playing well. He uh, kind of just not avoided the question, but answered the question without answering the question in a way where he just said, we're getting better in that area or something along those lines. How turnover prone is this team with interceptions, fumbles? Well, through two games, uh, I think Purdue and Penn State were the only teams in the Big Ten without a turnover. And I thought, well, ball security at least is an area that Purdue can hang its hat on right now because no turnovers in two games. I don't care who you're playing. That's that's pretty good. good. And then the seven fumbles against Syracuse and all of a sudden it's like you went from like whatever it was plus two and the turnover uh discrepancy with the opponents to you're you're at a negative so that one game probably was an anomaly but it also shows that uh there was some things to clean up well hey folks that was uh Sam King you can go to the journal and courier that's at JC online and you can see what he's doing there or you can cut out the middleman and go to at Samuel T. King, and you can get his opinions there. And I'm telling you, guy's a good writer. I think you'll you'll see that uh, if you want to understand what's going on at Purdue, uh, he's the guy you want to follow. So we'll be right back after this break. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Don't look now, but that Northwestern team that won just one game all season last year is now 2-2. Two and two. The Wildcats trying to get past all the offseason drama that saw veteran head coach Pat Fitzgerald ousted are coming off a surprise win over Minnesota a week ago. Now comes sixth-ranked Penn State, which has looked spectacular in its first four games. Here's Wildcats interim head coach David Braun talking about the matchup with the Nittany Lions earlier this week. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the outpouring of support has been... Uh has been really neat, you know, everywhere from alumni, former players, parents of current players, mentors, people that I've coached with, high school buddies. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's really neat. Uh, but the, the, the moments I cherish the most, honestly, are the, the, the time with, with my family post-game, the time with, with our players post-game. 
you know, uh, a little bit of a reprieve Sunday morning, you know, with, with my family breakfast with the boys and, you know, you, you walk back into this facility and it's like, Hey, what do we need to learn from this last one? And, and you're, it's a sprint to get ready for Penn state and get ready for practice this afternoon. So awesome Saturday evening. So cool to see, um, that point of support from, from so many different areas of the Northwestern community. And, uh, you know, really excited to continue to, um, channel all this, this positive energy and, and, uh, you know, put that into our preparation for Penn state, you know, this group is such a group of high character, uh, quality young men that want to do right. They want to please, they, 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 they want to do what they're being coached to do. And at times, sometimes that can, can get in your way of just really cutting it loose and going and playing free. And, uh, again, you know, I, I truly believe that God has gifted me with patience and poise. Feels like the offense in particular has kind of been a little slower. You guys have started to pick things up in the second half. What kind of tweaks are you expecting to make to kind of get more points on the board early in the game so you guys don't have to overcome a 21-point deficit in the fourth? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, there, I, I, I think there needs to continue to be focused on uh, just consistent execution because there's moments where um, we're moving the ball, but again, a holding call or a TFL or a sack, all of a sudden that, that, that drive stalls out. And then, you know, two drives later, you're back in rhythm, negative play, that drive stalls out. And again, you know, everyone's going to get sick of me saying this, but some of it comes back to complementary football as well. Uh, defensively, you know, uh, we're able to get a stop on the first drive against Minnesota, but, but after that did not play our brand of football. And again, you can see what starts to happen in the third and fourth quarter when you start to stack a three and out followed by a five-play drive and the ball's punted and all of a sudden that momentum starts to build. That only helps the offense get in that rhythm. So, you know, on both sides of the football, we need to find, you know, some of that, some of that mojo in the first quarter uh, to, to get going. And, and, and uh, I think that only helps an offense continue to uh, turn, turn positive plays into positive drives and points. I mean, you you can't find a weakness on that defense. Really well coached, um, willing to to play tight coverage, man coverage, mix in some different looks, find ways to, you know, put stress on you um, on first and second down, not just on third down. Uh, you you see a group that that's well coached and and plays well off one another. Uh, yeah, they're 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 playing at a really high level in all three phases defensively. Very impressive. Coach, Minnesota was a huge win for you in the program. Have there been any conversations with Dr. Gregg about dropping the interim tag? And are there any benchmarks that he has or you have where you would expect to become the head coach? There, there hasn't been. And, and as I've said before, um, and if I'm just speaking really bluntly, you know, I, I think it can be uh, a very easy distraction or trap to fall into uh, to, to allow your mind to wander and where, where, myself and my wife have committed to is, you know, we, we were, we feel like we were put in this role for a reason that's to support our players, to serve our players and be an incredible steward of the program moving forward. If, if that's, what's meant to be in the long term, that, that is a, an honor and a privilege we would take on with a great deal of gratitude and humility. But, um, that's not what, not what we're concerned with right now. 
That's a noon Eastern kickoff from Evanston. Meanwhile, Indiana hits the road for an East Division matchup at Maryland. The Terps undefeated on the season under Mike Loxley. Here's Hoosiers head coach Tom Allen on the task at hand. Want to be able to throw the football effectively? I know we have to. Uh, didn't do as good a job protecting our quarterback. That was kind of multiple groups. It wasn't just up front. It was our running backs. It was our tight ends as well. Didn't do a good job. Uh, did have guys targeted correctly, but didn't finish some of those as well, especially uh, with our with our backfield blocking. Wasn't near to the standard it needs to be. And so, but that that to me is an ability that allows we still you know, made some explosive plays in the throw game, but not near what we should have. And so to me, you got to be able to, you know, be a team that they can't key on certain things. You know, they got, whether it's formational, personnel, you know, D&D situations, run pass situations. As far as you got to be able to have them, you know, having to react to what you're doing in the moment instead of pre-snap and, and the things that you have. So to me, we got to be able to be, uh, we just didn't have a rhythm. We didn't play, you know, and it just was, was obvious. And so we got to obviously get that back. And, and uh, to me, that's, that's on us as coaches. We got to do a better job getting our guys ready to play and the play calling itself and just in terms of matching the strengths of our guys. And that's what I'm saying, because obviously what we did wasn't effective and wasn't good enough, especially down there in the score zone. So to me, that's about being able to, to score points. And that's right now something we're not doing at a high enough level. And that's what we know we have to do to win the Big Ten. Walt Bell's play calling has been a very hot topic in, in the fan base, obviously. Do you feel the play calling has maximized the potential of this offense through four games? And are adjustments needed moving forward? Well, obviously, on Saturday, it was not. You know, we did not uh, uh, score points offensively. We did not take advantage of situations offensively. And you can look at different reasons for that. But the bottom line is, is at the end of the day, uh, it's the job of the offense to score. It's the job, job of the defense to keep out of the end zone, you know. And part of that is protecting the football on both sides of the ball, create takeaways on defense. We did have one that we gave away on offense, which hurt us for sure. Uh, defense held them to a field goal. But at the same time, we're not scoring the points we need to score without question. So to me, uh, we got to do a better job of that. And so that includes that's everything. It's play calling, it's technique, it's the scheme adjustments, it's everything we need to do to be able to maximize our guys and, and help us get the ball in the end zone. So at the end of the day, we're performance-based assessment, and we got to perform as players and as coaches. And so the goal is to get the ball in the end zone offensively and so we can win football games, and so got to get better. Tom, when you look at, at Maryland, what, what challenges do you see from them offensively and defensively? Well, really good football team. You know, um, Coach Loxley's doing a great job there. Uh, they've uh, recruited a lot of good players, got a really good quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten, obviously, as a returning multi-year starter, very experienced, a lot of talent in the, at the receiver position, uh, tight end position, very productive. Their leading receivers are tight end. Uh, they're three good running backs, um, two that we faced last year extensively, and uh, um, defensively, uh, big and physical. They've always been athletic every year. Played them here for eight years now and uh, always one of the most athletic teams we play. That's no different this year. Uh, they're uh, creating a lot of takeaways on defense. They've scored a lot of points off takeaways for their offense. Uh, so they're playing really complimentary football. They're 4-0 right now. Just their first Big Ten win this past weekend and uh, played really well in East Lansing. So a really good football team. And uh, they're just uh, they play hard, physical, and athletic on both sides of the ball, and then on special teams as well. So uh, definitely very very important game for us, big week for us as we get back into Big Ten Big Ten play and playing a really really good football team on the road. Was there a percentage that leaned one way or the other when you when you studied the film? And regardless, what's the diagnosis for for both issues uh, as you go forward? Yeah, I think the biggest uh, you know clearing thing to me was technique and execution as far as being able to finish out the plays you know we had some th good things called at times we didn't execute we had which would you when even pre-snap you look at this play and you're like okay this should 
it should end up good for us. And, and we didn't execute the play, whether it was poor footwork or finishing the block or being able to make the proper read, you know. So, uh, and then obviously there's times where we feel like, hey, you know, we, we could have called a better call here. We could have done this better there. That's a 3.30 Eastern kickoff on BTN. Illinois is out at Purdue. The Boilermakers are the reigning West Division champs, but everyone believes this year's crown is up for grabs. Illini coach Brett Bielema talking about matching up with his former defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, the first-year head coach at Purdue. We put the game behind us pretty quickly on Sunday. Obviously did enough things to correct and review offense, defense, and special teams, but uh, jumped into our, our Purdue preparation, actually shortened our review time and extended our, our preparation time on Sunday. Uh, today we'll have the day off, but our guys, I know, are chomping at the bit to get back into really an eight-week window here, four weeks in a row, then a bye week, then four weeks in a row. Both both segments have two home games and two away games for us in Big Ten play, so uh, to get this opportunity to go on the road and play the defending Big Ten West champs, uh, I think is, a, is something that they're excited about. Uh, give a lot of credit to Purdue. Um, uh, you know, the last two years, of, uh, we haven't come out on top in a trophy game. It's something that uh, I think our guys have talked about for a long time, so familiarity between the two staff schemes player yeah you know um again i I tell josh all the time he's getting a bargain uh with me at 53 um i've been through a couple of these you know my first d coordinator job i was the defense coordinator at uh wisconsin but i had been on the the iowa staff with kirk and that whole entire defense staff phil parker and i were on the original staff with kirk going back to the day so i've done a lot of these crossover moments and then obviously when i became the head coach um uh, you know, some commonalities of, of coaches you've been around, played around. I remember when I was at Wisconsin as a head coach, we forced, faced Mike Hankowitz, who was the defense coordinator for me, uh, when, and he went on to become D coordinator at Northwestern. So there's a lot of these times where you have familiarity. Uh, this is an easy one just because Ryan was here last year and a, a couple guys on their staff. But I think these are things that come up more than you probably think from the outside world. Um, we've been really talking about this game uh, from last year's season in to, to where we are because – we knew it was going to be the first Big Ten West opponent of the year, um, and it was going to be the beginning of an eight-week window of of all-conference play. So I think that's the bigger issue, um, uh, maybe so, than who's on their staff. When's the last time you talked to Ryan? And- to Ryan? Yeah. Talk to him? Um, I know I talked to him the Saturday before we got going, um, uh, just because I, I usually give that to our Saturday, to our coaches. And, and um, I remember I called him uh, just because I hadn't really talked to him that summer. and. Uh, just wished him luck going in the season, uh, but I think that was a lot. I don't think I've talked to him on the phone. Maybe shot a text or two, but that's it. Head coach. Oh yeah. You've said you didn't really want him to go to Purdue necessarily, but because it was you know some tension there. Or whatever. Yeah. You're playing him, but does anything surprise you about you know what he's been able to do or? Um, I don't know what I said or didn't say. I I, I, I was happy for Ryan. I mean, I called Purdue. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the only reason that I might have said that is just. It's a Big Ten opponent, and you have uh, um, the desire to have people that you care about have success, but when it's in your division, that's not the case. It doesn't appear to be any clear-cut favorite in the Big Ten West. Have you talked to the team about the opportunity they have to maybe uh, to win the division, or is it one one game at a time? Yeah. I, I, again, we've known each other going on three years now, right? Like, we focus on the task at hand. Um, we always talk big-picture items, you know, in, in general, but – well, we've been talking about this for a while because it was our first opponent in the Big Ten West that we were going to play. Um, it's the it's the first and uh, a little run here. Obviously, we come back play uh, Nebraska, and then Maryland, even though they're in the in the other division, uh, uh, a pivotal game, and then to come back and have Wisconsin. So three of the next four are Big Ten West. So um, if you try to jump to one before the other, it's never going to work. Played a lot of your younger guys the last yeah. couple of weeks. What have, what have you learned about your couple of recruiting classes? Yeah, we kind of actually had that conversation this morning, Monday. Um, you know, we listed. 
several guys on both sides of the ball, offense, defense, and then special teams. Uh, our two best special teams players right now are probably uh, Jaheim Clark and, and Josh Crutes. Uh, I'm sorry, James Crutes. And it, it's just those guys get contagious. And then you saw James make a couple plays on Saturday on defense as well. Like usually players break into their mold, especially defensive players on a on special teams units. Um, but I couldn't be happier to get Caden Fagan and, and Aiden Lawfrey involved in the game plan and uh, to see uh, to see Aiden score. I literally, uh, uh, you know, felt that coming for a while. And then I literally can't can't even imagine what was going through Caden Fagan to see that end zone right there and to see un, uninterrupted, but to way to win that game um, uh, once we took a knee that 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 basically sealed the victory, barring any uh, center QB exchanges. But like we, we knew that that was we put ourselves in grind to get down and. Uh, for him to execute that in that moment says a lot about him. The Illini and the Boilers will be streaming on Peacock at 3.30 Eastern. Elsewhere, Minnesota looks to get back on track at its final non-conference tilt against Louisiana. Rutgers hosts Wagner. And two teams in need of a win. Michigan State is at Iowa, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Ohio State and Wisconsin take the week off. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. Hey, we haven't got about the NBA getting ready to get started here, right? In the preseason, uh, regular season, just a few weeks away. Big time move, seven time uh, All Star Damian Lillard going to the Bucks. It looks like Milwaukee wants to win right now. I mean, this was this was a three teams involved. You put a guy like Lillard with Giannis. I'm excited to see that matchup. Yeah, this is this is great. I mean, can you imagine those guys in pick and rolls? I mean, they're going to be very difficult to guard. I mean, they, it's just. Uh, you know, we know Milwaukee has struggled to create offense or have a guy who can make shots down the stretch. Now they got a guy. They got a guy who can make these shots and or or, or create shots, whether Jonas, whoever it is. And so you can't this is this is a key thing for them. I think they're the favorites to win the title. Yeah, I I just go back and keep thinking about the way his shooting percentage from the three and the fact that he can shoot from about 32. And if he's getting a pick and roll with him and Giannis, if you go under, you're destroyed. And then if he decides he's going to get the ball to Giannis and they've created the space and he's he's doing a rim run, who what duo in the league can guard that pick and roll, Brad? I'm not certain anybody well, can. You can't switch it either. Right, then exactly. Then you, you got the point guard on Giannis, and that's yeah. a bad matchup. I mean, you know. Or Dame's just going to shoot it, and then you got the point guard trying to block out Giannis on yes. the offensive glass. Oh so, yeah, yes. they they should be devastating offensively. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to watching this. Lillard, eleven seasons in Portland, kind of surprised one name that was on the move, DeAndre Ayton, the Suns sending him to Portland as part of this deal. That was surprising to me. Well, I, I think Ayton's you know kind of had 
there's been some issues there, you know, with him not being happy there and they want wanted to play different. And the, the Suns want to play more like the Warriors, you know, where they want to play that way. And, and they don't they don't want to have a big guy. And Aiden kind of clogs the middle for them, which is good on defense, not so great on offense. Yeah. You know, I wonder though, with a with a younger team like Portland has, maybe having that guy who can be inside and get you 20 and 10 every night when they have those you know, youthful, bad shooting nights. Maybe that's good. And then two or three years as Aiton gets older and then you ship him off somewhere and, and, and the younger guys are ready to take over. Yeah. Uh story that we've held off this far before we talked about it, but I guess, uh, you know, in a two hour show, we got to get it in uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, listen, I'll be honest. Cute story on Sunday. That yeah, was nice. The background and she's there and she's cheering in the box or whatever. And they drive off in the, convertible and dinner and whatever by Wednesday, I was really tired of the story. And now it appears that she's going to go to New York and be there. Um, when the chiefs play this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't really care, no. but I think it's fun. It, you know, Taylor Swift is just a massive name right now. I mean, she is like the, one of the biggest stars in the world. And, um, you know, it's her, She's dated like a million different guys. I just wonder what the what's the what's going to happen when they break up because she you know she's going to write a song about him. Yeah. After they break up, that's just a matter of time. You know, you know his his you know they're going to sell a lot of Kelsey jerseys out over this. What what our producer says their sales are up over four hundred percent. That's pretty in the good first, in the first day. Yeah, that was on Monday. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And that destruction of the Bears was the top ranked, top rated show of or top rated game in the NFL. And that game with the all the Bear fans we know, all they did was cry about it. So it wasn't a fun game to watch. And you, you have to wonder, like, is she one of the true crossover people that 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 when her fans start, if they start watching football because she she does. The NFL could actually get more fans, which nobody thought so was possible. How come nobody's buying Taylor's outfits that she wears on concert? And why aren't the NFL fans buying those? Maybe they will. I mean, if the non-NFL fans are buying Kelsey jerseys now. Look, I think, I, you know what? I I, I, I can't I think, wait to see, like, you know, NFL guys in sequins and, you know, short, short little, you know, I, spandex. I, it's, it's, it's a marketing bonanza that's right there. You, <laughs> you put the Chiefs logo Chiefs on logo her. Chiefs logo on it. Things. I think we're oh. going to, I think next week we're going to see Larry come on set with a uh, a nice little sequined outfit from Taylor Swift, Brad, and we're going to have to go. He'll well, have to looks have a like tie on football. too, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He'll put a tie over the top of it. It'll look <laughs> a little bit weird, but, and, and I'm sure that, Taylor might actually send us a note saying, please don't do that again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> please stop. <laughs> she and my and wife. We'll, oh. we'll be famous. Uh, all right. <laughs> Say by the bell. We're back with more. <laughs> Larry Swift. <laughs> What's the best way to get rid of a timeshare that you don't want? Call the Timeshare Exit Hotline. We're a group of attorneys that help customers legally exit their timeshares. It's an easy process. We guarantee results or you pay nothing. Exit your timeshare today. Call now. 800-715-6093. 800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. 
Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828 That's 800-448-0828 You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. All right, time now to make your picks for this week's games. Larry, do you remember what the picks were last week? I was trying to remember. I know one of us was three and zero, and then the other guys were one and two. Do you remember who was three and zero? Who was that? I don't recall who that was. I think that was me. That was me. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I remember that. About it all day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The emails, the texts. Oh boy, he had some. He paid some guy in a plane to skywrite that (laughs) down here in (laughs) Melissa. I'm like, what? Seriously? The, the emojis. I just wanted to make sure you up. remembered. Yeah, I, re- I remembered. So does everybody else in my yeah, house. Everyone, everyone knows. <laughs> everyone knows. Exactly. The, the mailers. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know you could get the mail to hear this quick, but apparently Brad doesn't have no problem paying for Federal Express. Oh, no, there's well, no problem at all. I, did, your, did your wife ask you, why is Brad texting me three and oh? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't Why is he texting me? This stuff? So what know. is this? What is this? All right. Uh, Nostradamus, why don't you start? Texas A&M versus Arkansas. Who you got? Man, this is an interesting game because with Texas A&M, you know, without the quarterback, right? It's a, it's a, it's a tougher game maybe than you think. But I still think A&M has uh, more talent than Arkansas, even though it's at Arkansas. I'm gonna pick the Aggies. I'm gonna go with Arkansas. I think it's a Jerry World, isn't it? it? Is Jerry World. Yeah. yeah so, okay. so I think Jerry so, is Jerry is going to put all that. Um, frustration from last week's cowboy loss into supporting Arkansas. <laughs> it is going to feel like a home game with uh, all those hogs in there. Um, I believe in Max Johnson. I'm going Aggies on this one. So I'm going to go with, with uh, Nostradamus over there. All right. Uh, another SEC game, LSU at Ole Miss. Sturdy. Uh, man, I, I tell you what, I, I this is the one – LSU's a two and a half point favorite at Ole Miss. Ole Miss coming off a game. Alabama kind of, you know, spanked them, um, turned them over their knee and spanked them with their defense. I don't think LSU has the same defense that Alabama has, but I do think they have the offense to score. So over and under is high. I think a high scoring game. I think Ole Miss gets the upset. I'm taking the the Rebels. Yeah, I I actually agree with that. I'm going for Ole Miss because I've seen LSU a couple times this year. Where the the defensive back is kind of face guarding the wide receiver, and the wide receiver catches the ball, and somehow the LSU DB does not realize, even though he's face guarding, that the LS that the opposing receiver has the ball. Uh, I think Ole Miss has the offense to beat LSU. All right, I'm gonna go the other way, Tigers, because um, Tony Barnhart. Uh, told us the columnist for TMG College Sports. He really likes LSU. So for Tony, this is for you. Tony Barnhart, the veteran sports writer, says <laughs> LSU. That's my deciding factor. All right, to the Big Twelve. Uh, the early wake up game: USC at Colorado. Rise and shine. Oh, you know I, I do think Colorado is going to get a lot more offense than they did a week ago. Um, but um, and, and but it's the I, I would say this: I, I think USC is going to score a lot of points. 
against Colorado. So I'll take uh, the Trojans. Yeah, I see USC winning this like 52 to 31, something like that. I'm going to go for a 70-20. The beatdown <laughs> the Broncos suffered. Wow. wow. USC is wow. going to come back and do the same with the Buffs. So, like the old K, like the old Oklahoma doing that to K State back in the seventies. Yeah. How, <laughs> this, how bad this, was oh, the weekend for people in Colorado that oh, last week, though? Boy, it was terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. All right, North uh, Notre Dame. I keep calling them North Dame. Notre Dame and Duke. How about that? Blue Devils four zero. Yeah, you know, I I really think this was a trap game for Notre Dame. Had they won the Ohio State game, I think it would have been different. But I really think Notre Dame is going to really want to go out and prove something, and I think they take care of the Blue Devils in this one. And I think they win by more than the five-and-a-half spread. I think uh, I think Duke's going to pull the upset here. I think, uh, you know, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, we've got we've got these blue bloods in basketball that are all Kentucky. Uh, four, yeah, Kentucky, they're all 4-0. and oh. Indiana. Oh, never mind. Yeah, exactly. They're all, Well, they're not a blue blood anymore. And <laughs> the Mike, you know, you can just send, send the emails to me. Uh, but the bottom line is I think Duke is going to go to 5-0. Indiana, 1987. <laughs> Students who were on campus then Thank you. Now, are now retiring. Well, so. wait a minute, Larry. We were old enough to be on campus then, so let's be oh, real yeah, careful. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, I'm not rich enough to retire yet. But some yeah. of them, and okay. I don't have grandkids yet, but a lot of our contemporaries Yes. Retirement grandkids. So, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go Notre Dame. Um, I, I agree that I think it's um, – uh, Duke's had a – listen, fantastic season, and I think they've got a they've got a really good team down in Durham this year, but I, I'm with you guys that um, – I think that was a wake-up call last week. Notre Dame's going to come back focused. Um, they're going to put 11 men on the field um, at every play. And- that could help. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's the new – Yeah, that's their equalizer. <laughs> they, they're, what they're hoping is they get to put 12 for two plays. This game, they yeah. pick two plays because we only went ten. We saved a guy for this game. <laughs> I've, I've heard, well. of, I've heard of managing a managing a guy's plays, managing his minutes, but that yes. took it too far for the Irish. So, all right, <laughs> my team is on the field. <laughs> we got to run as always. Uh, the fun just uh, goes way too fast. We appreciate everyone who came by uh, this week and hope you enjoy the games, enjoy the weekend. Um, if fall is here, turn that calendar over, get those pumpkins out. And uh, try not to scare the kids before Halloween. All right. For Brad and Mike, I'm Larry. Take care. Enjoy. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports LLC and Revision Sound. We'll be back next week on Big Sports Radio Network.